0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يبدله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم Wada Ali Ibrahima in the Khamidun Majid. Allahumabarik, Ala Mohammed in Wada Ali Mohammed, Gamabarak, Ala Ibrahim, Wada Ali Ibrahima in the Khamidun Majid. Respect to listeners, Salam Alaikum Rahmatullah Hibrakatu. We all have an idea of success. We all wish to be successful. We want to be successful ourselves. We want our children and loved ones to succeed too. Family, siblings, children. We want success for ourselves. We want success for them. And virtually all of our efforts beyond our immediate needs of immediate food, drink and clothing are all driven to attaining that success. We have different ideas of success. But who does Allah and his Rasul designates as being a successful person. How do Allah and his Messenger وسلم, define success? Is it the same success that we think is success? Are the ones that we deem successful regarded by Allah and his Messenger وسلم, as being successful? Well, the reality is, no, the idea of success in the Qur'an and in the hadith is very different to what's commonly perceived and believed. In fact, even more than the hadith, even before the hadith, the Qur'an actually says a lot about success. And the Qur'an uses two terms or two root words One is falah, and one is foes. So throughout the Qur'an, there are many verses which speak of falah, success, attainment. And also of foes, which again means success and attainment. These two words are synonymous. They have some subtle differences, but mainly they are synonymous. So falah means foes, foes means falah, falah means success, and foes means success and attainment of what a person wishes and seeks and desires. We, we hear the word falah all the time. Five times a day in salah, in iqamah, we repeatedly hear the word falah when the mu'addin. Or the Muqeem says حيّ على الفلاح حيّ على الصلاة حيّ على الصلاة and then حيّ على الفلاح حيّ على الفلاح And حيّ على الفلاح means rush to success So when the Mu'addin is calling us to salah he's telling us rush to success When the Muqeem is giving the iqamah just before the salah and saying the words حيّ على الصلاة Again, he's telling us, rush to success. That is success. Prayer, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So throughout the Quran, Allah speaks of success using both terms or words related to both terms, falah and foes. And inshallah, I relate a few verses about this. But the Quran actually says a lot. Who are the successful ones? Time and time again, Allah actually says He describes certain people and then says, "These are the successful ones." muflihun, muflihun. These are the successful ones. Faizun. These are the successful ones. Fazafuzun aldimah. He has scored a great success. He has attained a great success. So time and time again, Allah speaks of success, and invariably the success that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions is never to do with the dunya it's always to do with good deeds with faith with taqwa with purity with chastity with the remembrance of Allah with the obedience of Allah with faith and most importantly with the akhirah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeatedly mentions that the true success is the success of the Akhirah, of the hereafter. And this is a message to be found throughout the Qur'an. In fact, we begin with this message. The very first word about success in the Qur'an comes within the first few verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says alif Lil Muttakin, bil Reibo with Yukimuna Salata, or Mimma Razakna, whom in well Ladina Yupminuna Bima Unzilla, Ileka, or Mamunzillam in Ahirati, Ula Hudam Allah says Aliflam mean this book. There is no doubt therein. It is a guidance for the people of Taqwa. Those, and then Allah defines the people of Taqwa. Those who believe in the unseen, and who establish salah, and who give zakah. And they do believe with conviction in the hereafter. Further, Allah says, they believe in that which has been revealed to the Prophet Muhammad and that was re- that in that which was revealed before the Prophet. And they do believe with conviction in the hereafter. ala hudam these are a people who are on guidance from their Lord, and these are the ones who are successful. As far as success is concerned, Allah does not consider, and nor did the Prophet وسلم, consider wealth. Fame, power, influence, popularity, worldly recognition, worldly achievements, worldly qualifications, as being success. None of these things are considered success by Allah. None whatsoever. Not even money, fame, prestige, recognition, academic qualifications, achievements... Wealth, influence, power, popularity. The normal markers of success, as far as the dunya is concerned, the world is concerned, not one of them is regarded as a mark of success by Allah and His Rasul Completely different. In the very beginning of the Qur'an, these are the markers of success. And they are taqwa, hudal lil أَلَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ Belief in the unseen. صَلَاة وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ They give zakah. Of that which we have bestowed upon them, they do spend, meaning optional, additional charity and sadaqah. Belief in the articles of faith, in the revelation that was given to the Prophet ﷺ, al القرآن. So this is different to what came before. Before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of believing in the unseen, which covers everything. And then specifically believing in the Qur'an, the revelation, believing in the scriptures of before. Again, Allah speaks of conviction about life after death and the second life. These are the markers of success. Iman, taqwa, salah. زكاة Sadqah. And then Allah says, هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And these are the successful ones. And this is repeated in a number of verses. Iman is the first marker of success. Allah does not recognize any of the success of the dunya. The second one is, after Iman, obedience of Allah and obedience of the noble messenger sallallahu alaihi in fact even heraclius we covered this in the commentary of the hadith of heraclius if you recall heraclius was the byzantine roman emperor the most powerful ruler and emperor at the time who had just recently inflicted a disabling defeat on the Sassanid-Persian Empire. He was at the zenith of his power at that time. Prophet wrote him a letter. And when he received the letter, Heraclius, being the Roman emperor, their spiritual leader, the leader of the church, the leader of the faith, the leader of the empire, the leader of both the spiritual and the temporal realm with his vast battle hardened armies with all the riches and the culture the wealth and the political power and civilization of byzantine rome when he received the letter of rasulullah sallallahu wasallam inviting him to believe he was convinced of the truth of Rasulullah, sallallahu and he gathered his people. And what did he say to them? As Imam Bukhari relates in his Sahih, his first words to the gathered nobles and dignitaries of Byzantine Rome were Ya Ma'shar al Rum, hallakum fil falahi wa rushd, wa in yathbuta lakum mulkukum, fatubayy'u hadan nabi. He said, "O oh, assembly of Romans. Remember, he was speaking to the elites of the whole of the Roman Empire, whom he wanted to invite so that they could embrace along with him. And with the emperor embracing Islam and the elites embracing Islam, the whole Roman Empire would have followed. And that's why he addressed the elite first. So he said, ya ma'shar al-Rum, oh, assembly of Romans, hallakum fil falah. His very first words were, do you have any interest in falah? The same words that we hear in the other, success. Halakum fil Do you have any interest in success, rush, and in guidance, and in that your empire lasts? If so, فَتُبَايِعُوا Then in order to achieve that success, you should pledge your allegiance to this prophet he recognized that the prophet sallallahu was true unfortunately since the elite rebelled and they refused to believe and embrace islam and accept the prophet sallallahu sadly and tragically heraclius, heraclius was over, overcome by the love of power and wealth and the dunya so despite being convinced of the truthfulness of Rasulullah, he fell into the trap of being allured by the power and wealth of his worldly realm. And as a result, he decided not to believe, and he stuck with his empire and with his people. Eventually, he passed on as a non-Muslim. So he refused to believe in the Prophet. But telling me. These are the words he used. that That Do you have any interest in falah, in success? Later in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again speaking of iman, faith, that's the first one, then obedience. There can be no success without the obedience of Allah and his noble messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. الله سبحانه وتعالى سيزن سورة العراف ورحمتي وسعت كل شيء فسأكتبها للذين يتقون ويئتون الزكاة والذينهم بآياتنا يؤمنون الذين يتبعون الرسول النبي الأمي الذي يجدونه مكتوبا عندهم في التوراة والإنجيل يأمرهم بالمعروف وينهاهم عن المنكر. ويحل لهم الطيبات ويحرم عليهم الخبائث ويضع عنهم أسرهم والأغلال التي كانت عليهم فالذين آمنوا به وعزروه ونصروه واتبعوا النور الذي أنزل معه أولئك هم المفلحون الله says ورحمة وسعت كل شيء and My mercy encompasses everything So I will register my mercy for those who are wary, who have taqwa, and who give zakah, and who believe in our signs. Those who follow the unlettered prophet and messenger, whom they find recorded in the Torah and in the Injil, who enjoins them to good and forbids them from evil. Who makes lawful for them the pure things and who makes unlawful for them the impure things. اسرهم, and who lifts off them their burden and the shackles that bound them. به, so those who have believed in him وعزرو, and who have supported him ونصرو, and who have assisted him and who have followed that nur, that light, that was revealed with him. أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ These are the ones who are successful. Again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions all of these qualities. So who are the people of success? Who are the successful ones? Not the rich, the powerful, the wealthy, the famous, the glamorous, the influential. None of these. The successful ones are those who have taqwa, who give zakah, who believe in Allah's signs, who follow the noble messenger sallallahu alaihi obedience and following. Those who have believed in him, those who support him, those who assist him, and those who follow that light, that noor, which Allah revealed with the Prophet sallallahu Anyone who possesses these characteristics and qualities is the one whom Allah regards as being successful. Obedience of Allah, faith in Allah, obedience of Allah, faith in Allah, obedience of the Messenger wasallam, and belief in Him. Again, in another verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says in Surah An-Nur, إِنَّمَا كَانَ قَوْلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذَا دُعُوا إلى الله ورسوله أَنْ يَقُولُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا وَأُولَٰئِكَ الْمُفْلِحُونَ وَمَنْ يُتْعِلْ لَهُ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيَخْشَ اللَّهُ وَيَتَّقْهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Whenever the believers are called إِنَّمَا كَانَ قَوْلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذَا دُعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Whenever the believers are called to Allah and His Messenger wasallam, so that Allah may judge between them, or the Messenger wasallam may judge between them, their only response, their only reply should be, wa We have heard and we have obeyed. إِنَّمَا kana قَوْلٍ Let me repeat, Whenever the believers are called to Allah and His Messenger وسلم, so that He may judge between them, their only reply should be: Sami wa We have heard and we have obeyed. And these are the successful ones. Allah then continues. And whoever, obe- whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, ويخش الله ويتقي. And whoever fears Allah and is wary of Him, for ulaykahu alfaizun, then these are the faizun. These are the successful ones. As I said earlier on, Allah uses the terms falah related to falah and foes. So in the previous verse, ulaykahu almuflihun. In this verse, ulāikahumul faizun, faizun muflihun, more or less mean the same thing: the successful ones. In fact, the word falāh it doesn't just simply mean success; it means everlasting success. So, success which endures, success which remains, success which lasts. The very word falāh incorporates the meaning of endurance. And timelessness. So success which actually lasts, that is the meaning of falah. And fa'izun, those who have attained the success, those who have achieved and attained what they set out to achieve. So the only people of success that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recognizes in these verses are those who obey Allah and his messenger sallallahu who say, wa We have heard and we have obeyed. And who follow and obey Allah and His Messenger, Sallallahu Wasallam, وَيَخْشَ اللَّهَ, وسلم, الله ويتقه, Who fear Allah, ويتقه, And who are wary of Allah. Wary of Allah meaning who have taqwa in relation to Allah, وتعالى, which means guarding oneself from the disobedience of Allah. That's taqwa. Again, in Surah al hadid Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says Yaa sorry in Surah Al Ahzab Allah says O oh believers be wary of Allah and say a straight word an upright word Allah will make good and pious your deeds and forgive you your sins. And whoever obeys Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alaihi wa فَقَدْ فَازَ عظيمة, Then indeed he has attained a great success. A tremendous success. Again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala marks success. Success as, being, as belonging to that person who has taqwa. Who speaks rightly who speaks good, who has good deeds, and most importantly, who obeys Allah and who obeys his Messenger Belief in Allah, following the Messenger of Allah, obeying the Messenger of Allah, these are the primary markers of success. Without these primary markers, there can be no other success. Iman, obedience. And this is exactly what the Sahaba did. Theirs was the supreme example of belief and obedience. To the extent that if it meant that they differed, even from their loved ones, then so be it. And that's why Allah speaking, this is this verse of Surah Al Mujadala. Is actually a description of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah, with these words, is describing them. Allah says, لا تجد قوم يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر مَنْ حَادَّ الله ورسوله ولو كانوا آبَاءَهُمْ أو أَبْنَاءَهُمْ أو إخوانهم أو عشيرتهم ولئك كتب في قلوبهم الإيمان وأيدهم من ويدخلهم جنات تجري من تحته الأنهار خالدين فيها رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه أولئك حزب الله ألا إن حزب الله هم المفلحون Allah says, you will not find a people who believe in Allah in the final day befriending and loving those who have challenged Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, even though these challenges may be their fathers, their sons their brothers, their families. Why? في <laughs> These are a people in whose hearts Allah has engraved إيمان. And strengthen them with a spirit from himself. Allah will enter them into gardens beneath which rivers shall flow. Therein they shall reside forever. رضي الله عنهم Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah. Ulaikah hizbullah This is the party of Allah. Allah in Hizbullahi Humul Muflihoon know that it is the party of Allah which is successful. Again, Allah is specifically describing the companions of Rasulullah as they believed then and as they supported the Messenger وسلم, then. That is a party of success. They were the successful ones. And they were the supreme example of success. Allahu Akbar. Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. Their iman was of such a level that they did not doubt. And they followed the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa in the most beautiful way to the extent that Allah praises them in the Holy Qur'an. Again, in another verse of Surah At-Tawbah, Speaking of the same Sahaba, Rodi Anhum was Sabi Pun al Owalunam in a Mohajirina will answer. Well, Ladina Tabarum be Sani, Rodi Allah, and whom Wa Addalum Janat in Tajri Tahla and Nahar or Halidina fee her abata. Thalik al Fozul Azim, Allah says, and those pioneering predecessors of the emigrants and of the helpers. And of those who followed them in a good way. Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Allah. And Allah has prepared for them gardens beneath which rivers shall flow, therein they shall reside for ever. Dalikal Allah again says, This is the great success, the foes. This is the great attainment. This is the great achievement. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Marked and recognized the noble companions of Rasulullah sallallahu as being these successful ones, the people of success, the party of success, and they set their exa- they set the example of belief of obedience to the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And there are countless stories of how the Sahaba anhum believed in Allah and His Messenger sallallahu with such conviction, unshakable conviction, with such resolute faith. And with such devoted obedience. And Allah made them an example for those who came after them to follow. So success is in iman, in belief, in the obedience of Allah and His Messenger And in following in the footsteps of the Sahaba, the, the noble companions. Furthermore, success is only in doing good. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says again in a verse of Surah Al-Hajj يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا ركعوا, وشجدوا, رَبَّكُمْ وَفَعَلُوا الْخَيْرَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَفْلِحُونَ O oh believers, bow and prostrate and worship your Lord and do good in the hope that you may succeed. Again, you want falah, you want success true success, then bow, prostrate, worship your Lord, and wafalul khayr, do good. This will achieve success for you. This will bring success into your life. Partially in this world, but mainly in the Akhirah, in the hereafter. And it's not just about believing oneself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, in order to be successful you shouldn't just believe yourself and do good yourself you should try and spread this iman this faith and this goodness and this beautiful message and you should do good yourself and encourage others to do good you should abstain from evil yourself and encourage others to abstain from evil you should dissuade and discourage others from evil da'wah Enjoining the good, forbidding the evil, inviting others, encouraging others, motivating others, preaching to others, teaching others, this is also part of that good which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says must be done in order to achieve success. In fact, Allah says it explicitly that in a verse, that those Allah says Allah says, let there be from amongst you a group who invite to good, who enjoin the good, who forbid the evil. And these are the successful ones. You want to be successful? Become a da'i, invite others. You want to be successful? Enjoin the good, forbid the evil. Which is very difficult to do. We wish to remain personal and private. We wish never to disturb or disrupt. We love not to create any ripples or tremors. We wish never to draw attention to ourselves. But this was always the duty of the prophets, all of the prophets of Allah, invited, Enjoined the good, forbade evil, encouraged, discouraged where discouragement was required. All of the Prophets of Allah did this. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa says, we think we will be successful if we avoid all of this. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa says, do this and you will be successful. وَلْتَكُمْ مِنكُمْ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ And let there be a group of you that invites the good, وَيَأْمُرُونَ بالمعروف and enjoins the good, the Munkar And who forbid the evil. الْمُفْلِحُونَ Allah says, and these are the successful ones. So do good, not just yourselves. Believe, but not just yourselves. Obey Allah, but not just yourselves. Encourage others and motivate others and invite others to do the same. Therein lies success. And then, Of course, in doing good, there are so many things Allah has already mentioned in these verses. Salah, and zakah, and da'wah, and enjoying the good and forbidding the evil. But let me say a few words about zakah, and more importantly, over and above obligatory zakah, about sadaqah, about optional voluntary charity. Let me elaborate on this, because this is very important in relation to success. Because it really hits the point, and it drives home the point about success. We think success is in pursuing wealth, in acquiring wealth, in becoming rich. We think money will buy everything. We think money will buy power, love, influence, recognition, peace, joy, happiness, Tranquility, serenity. Money cannot necessarily buy these things. We use money as a currency. And we use other things as a currency in order to achieve and attain other things. This is how we regard success. And especially when it comes to money, we think success is in wealth. We normally say he's successful. Simply to refer to someone who's become rich, who's become wealthy. Someone does well in business, he's successful. Someone becomes rich, he's successful. We equate success with wealth and wealth with success. We think success lies in gaining wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says success lies in giving away wealth. We think success is acquiring wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says success is in distributing wealth. We believe that success is in gathering and collecting and hoarding wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says success is in giving away wealth. Get rid of it. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in a verse of Surah Al-Rum, <laughs> Allah says, so give the relative his due and the poor, and the traveler. And remember, this is over and above zakah. Zakah is obligatory, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that zakah is the bare minimum that you should give, the bare minimum. And over and above zakah, you should give as much wealth as possible. To whom? All kinds of categories. And here in this verse, and even in other verses, like in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of virtue and righteousness, Allah says, That after iman, righteousness, virtue and piety belong to whom? One who believes... And then, the one who gives to the relatives. So there again, Allah says first, the one who spends on the relatives. Here as well, فَآَتِذِ Qurba حَقَّةَ So give the relative his due. And this is very important because relatives are normally the first people we try to keep our wealth from. In fact, even before the relatives, the spouse is the first victim of our hiding and hoarding wealth. The husband conceals his wealth from the wife. The wife conceals her wealth from the husband. And then siblings, nephews, nieces. In fact, sadly, children conceal their wealth from their parents. And sometimes parents conceal their wealth from their children. So if this is the case with brothers, sisters, with spouses, husbands and wives, then what of the distant relatives? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it is taqwa, it is virtue, it is piety, and it is a mark of success that you spend first of all, over and above the obligatory zakah, before anyone else, you spend on your relatives. Now we love to give charity, and alhamdulillah, It's commendable and it's something which should be recognized. Muslims proportionately across the globe are the most charitable section of society, even in this country. Proportionately, Muslims give a greater proportion of their wealth than any other section of the community. But still, we still don't do as much as Allah has told us. Imagine what we could achieve if we spent as Allah encourages us to spend. Now we love giving charity where, often to people in faraway places that we have never heard of, that we will never meet. It's good, but Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala, even before speaking of these rightsful people, Allah again and again in the Quran specifies like give first to your relatives. So we, we keep wealth from our relatives. So Allah says, So give the relative his due, his right. Then Allah says, وَالْمِسْكِينَ and then the poor. السَّبِيلَ and the traveller. Allah then says, This is better for those who seek the countenance of Allah. وَأُولَٰئِكَ And these are the successful again allah marks success in charity in giving in charity in another verse of surah at-taghabun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says so point them inna amwalukum wa auladukum <laughs> <laughs> fitna wallahu indahu ajrun adheem fa ttaqullaha mastata'tum wasma'u wa ati'u wa anfiqoo khayran li anfusikum wa man yooq shah nafsihi fa ulai kahumul muflihun Allah says your wealth. In fact, the word is plural, amwal um, meaning your riches and your children are a fitna, are only a fitnah. How are they a fitna? Because they the word fitna originally in Arabic simply means to distract. Anything which distracts you from something far more important is A distraction is a fitna. And then distractions, fitna can be of many forms, varying in their intensity. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called many things a fitna. And in fact Allah has called Adab a fitna. So the most severe is actually the adab and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is Allah has, Allah has termed fitna. فِتْنَةً تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ And fear a fitna, which will not only afflict the guilty amongst you. And the word fitna in that verse refers to adab, meaning the punishment of Allah. So fitna means a distraction. So Allah calls children a fitnah if they distract you from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah calls riches and wealth a fitna. and indeed they are a fitnah. Wealth is a fitna. It distracts a person from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah says in Surah Al-Munafiqoon, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la tulhikum amwalukum wa la <laughs> an dhikrillah. Ummayfa'al dhalika fa ulaika al-khasirun. O believers, do not let your riches and your children distract you from the remembrance of Allah. And whoever is guilty of this, these are the ones who are losers. This is the first verse where the word loser has come in in our discussion. So think of it. Whom do we regard as being successful? And who do we regard as being a loser? To us, a successful person is a rich person. And a loser is one who is destitute and penniless. Who hasn't got anything to their name. And the roles are completely reversed. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those whom we consider losers are the successful ones. And the ones that we consider successful are the losers in the sight of Allah. And he says it clearly. All these are the losers. Those who are distracted by their wealth. By their riches. So... Allah says in, in Surah amwalukum Your riches and your children are a fitnah Meaning they are a distraction And Allah with him is the great reward Therefore be wary of Allah As much as you can وَاسْمَعُوا And hear and listen to Allah And obey And do good for yourself and spend. And spend. This is good for you. And then Allah says, And spend. Good for yourselves. And whoever is protected from the greed of his soul, then these are the ones who are successful. Again, that word and this is very telling a person cannot be successful without getting rid of greed in one's heart greed is a destructive disease it truly is Abdul Rahman ibn awf radiyallahu an was performing tawaf around the kaaba one of the tabi'in says that i was once performing tawaf around the kaaba and i heard someone constantly repeating one du'a Allahumma qini shuhha nafsi, Allahumma qini shuhha nafsi. O oh, Allah, protect me from the greed of my soul. O oh, Allah, protect me from the greed of my soul. So when I went closer, the person constantly repeating this du'a in this blessed place was none other than the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf So I said to him, "O oh, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, I hear you repeat only one du'a constantly." Allahumma qini shah nafsi, Allah protects me from the greed of my soul. So Rahman ibn Auf radiyallahu anhu said, Yes, indeed. He said, the reason is that if Allah protects me from the greed of my soul, then I will not commit this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin. And he listed a number of sins. And thus the message is, that greed leads us to committing so many sins. In fact, in a hadith, the Prophet said that openly. إِيَّاكُمْ Then beware of greed. And then in, from a number of hadith we learn that greed destroyed the nations of before. Greed. Greed. Leads to bloodshed. Greed leads to misappropriation of wealth. Greed leads to theft. Greed leads to deceit, lying, cheating. Greed leads to deception, to depriving other people of wealth, to unlawfully taking other people's wealth. Greed leads to all of these things and much more. In fact, in the hadith, Prophet ﷺ categorically mentioned that greed ultimately led them to murder and to shedding blood. So, greed is one of those diseases which is the impetus, the root, cause of many ills and many sins and many crimes. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Whoever is protected from the greed of his soul, these are the ones who are successful. That's the, that's the root, that's the beginning. Before a person becomes charitable and spends willingly and happily in the way of Allah, a person has to get rid of the greed in their heart. Without getting rid of that greed, a person cannot attain true success. Greed is despicable, it's very lowly. It causes a person to behave in the most, in the strangest of ways. In fact, greed causes a person to behave like animals, even though animals don't have greed. An animal is not greedy. It eats as much as it needs. Once it's consumed what it requires, the animal displays no further greed. It takes, yes, it doesn't have that higher intelligence. So it takes what it wants, as and when it requires, and as and when it wants it. But without greed, only out of necessity. The humans, they are unique in the sense that they have this Greed in them, to the extent that the Prophet sallallahu said, as Imam Bukhari and others relate from Abdullah ibn Zubayr and other Sahaba, عنهم, that The Prophet said, "Lo Adam min dah- min dahb, La ilayhi thaniya, thaniya, La that if man was given a valley filled with gold, he would still desire a second. If he was given a second, he would still desire a third. And nothing will fill the cavity and the void and the hole in man except the soil of the earth. And Allah turns in relenting to whomever he wishes. This hadith, I've repeated it so many times and I've, I've said and I still say that this is a hadith which we should memorize because it reveals so much and we hear it so often that we don't think about it but just think of the words <clears throat> so many sahaba radiyallahu anhum heard the Prophet sallallahu relate this hadith because it speaks of our greed our greed knows no bounds And that's what we think is success. We think fulfilling our greedy ambitions is a sign of success. Our greed knows no bounds. And when we, we think, Prophet ﷺ simply said, if man was given a valley full of gold, I've mentioned before that to our understanding and to our knowledge, the entire, the total collective gold the total amount of gold ever excavated, mined, and collected in the history of the world, put together, does not come to more than a few swimming pools or a few football fields. The volume. The volume of, I think, two or four swimming pools and the same, or the space and the area of... Again, two or four football fields. So the entire gold that has ever been excavated, mined, and collected in history, in the whole history of mankind, will not fill more than four swimming pools or four football fields. And if you were to put a value to that, we're talking about trillions. Trillions of pounds worth of gold. The total amount of gold that has been excavated, mined and collected in the history of mankind. And that's not more than two or four swimming pools or two or four football fields. In contrast to that, the Prophet ﷺ says, If man was given a valley full of gold, how many football fields, how many swimming pools could fill one valley? We're talking about hundreds of trillions of pounds, maybe an immeasurable, innumerable amount of gold. If if one person, forget the whole of mankind, if one person was given a whole valley of gold, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, al the truthful one, whose truthfulness has been attested to by Allah says, if man was given a whole valley of gold, his greed is such that he will still want a second valley. He still won't be happy. And if he is given a second valley, his greed is such that he will still want a third valley. And then the Prophet wasallam stopped. Why? Because he said, this cavity, this void in man, which he seeks to fill with gold, and wealth and riches. He says nothing can fill that void except the soil of the earth. Only the dust of the earth will fill that void. So we should truly memorize this hadith of Rasulullah. And another one, three hadith about wealth. The hadith of Abdullah ibn Zubayr, in fact, related by many Sahaba radiyallahu and related by Imam Bukhari. The famous hadith of Abdullah ibn al-Shikhir, radiyallahu anhu, relates by Imam Muslim in his sahih, about al hakum al-Takathur, and the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, similar to the hadith of Abdullah ibn al again sahih Muslim, relates to al hakum al-Takathur. I've mentioned both of them in the tafsir and commentary of Surah al-Takathur. I won't repeat them. In fact, this is what we do. We spend our entire lives, al hakum al-Takathur, one-upmanship, and competing with one another has distracted you and will continue to distract you till you go to your graves in our pursuit of success. And our idea of success is degrees, qualifications, wealth. Now, I'm not frowning on any of these things. All of them are important. Food is important. Drink is important. Clothing and shelter are important. Education is important. Both worldly, religious, and secular. Degrees are important. A job is vital. Careers are important. None of these things, I do not detract from any of them. But they are all necessities. They are not necessarily the markers of success in themselves. And we've reduced the markers of success to these simple things. How shallow is our thinking? Prophet sallallahu says in a hadith, he told the sahaba radiyallahu anhum that which one of you wouldn't want to go to Aqeeq, the valley of Aqeeq, or to Buthan in Medina. These were two places, the valley of Aqeeq and Buthan, where camels used to graze. So which one of you wouldn't want to go to the valley of Aqeeq or to Buth'an and without committing any crime, any theft, any wrongdoing, without hurting or offending anyone, without breaking any ties, which one of you wouldn't want to go there and freely pick up two camels? Which one? The best coloured camels? and the most splendid camels. And we may think camels, remember, the camel was everything to the Arab, everything. The ship of the desert, the companion, a mode of transport, a mode of travel, a mode of luggage, a marker of wealth. A camel meant everything. And camels, the best camels, and the Prophet alaihi wa sallam here is speaking of the best camels, just like cars, you can buy a banger for a few pounds, and you can buy supercars, or the most luxurious cars, branded cars, for hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Same thing with camels. In fact, a few years ago, here in Arabia, in, Arabia, in the Middle East, one camel, one single racing camel was sold for a good few million pounds sterling. One camel. So, just like cars. Uh, the prices vary. And the Prophet ﷺ was speaking of the best camels. The best colored and the most splendid camels. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Which one of you wouldn't want to go to Aqiq or to Bhutan? and freely, without committing any crime, any wrongdoing, hurting or offending anyone, freely pick up two of the most colorful and splendid camels? Gomawain zahrawain. says. So the sahaba said, who of us wouldn't, ya Rasulullah? Now for us, we have to translate that. We can't understand camels. So for the young amongst us, it's like, or for those amongst us, it's like saying, which one of you wouldn't mind? Who wouldn't want to go out somewhere to a parking lot and for free, without committing any crime, without offending or hurting anyone, freely pick up a Lamborghini and a Ferrari, or a Bugatti for the younger ones, or a Bentley and a Rolls-Royce for the older ones. Who of you wouldn't want to do that freely, for free, just go and pick it up too? The most brightly colored and the most splendid. So the Sahaba said, who of us wouldn't, ya Rasulullah? So the Prophet wasallam said, that... One of you should come to the masjid and learn two verses of the Qur'an. This is far better for him than the two most colourful and splendid camels. For free. Two verses. And then he says, and three verses are better than three camels. And then he says, and so on. So for the thousands of verses of the Holy Qur'an, what wealth is there in it? But this is a level of our ambition. Our ambition is in cars is in homes, is in jewellery, is in gold, and in so many other things. These are the markers of success as far as we are concerned. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, how shallow is your thinking? In the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud an, and others he says, There is no envy except in two people, meaning you should never be envious except of two people. We envy others. And again, how lowly is our ambition? How cheap is our envy? We harm ourselves and we cause pain to ourselves because someone's got a bigger garden than us. Someone's got a better car than us. Someone's got better wheels than us. And I don't mean the car's wheels, just simply wheels. Someone's got better wheels, someone's got better shoes than us, and we burn green with envy. How lowly is our ambition? How cheap is our envy? The Prophet says there should be no envy at all, except in relation to two people. And I'm only going to mention the first one. If you really want to be envious of someone, Prophet says envy should be for that man. Whom Allah has given the Qur'an And he recites it night and day So his neighbor hears him And his neighbor says Oh how I wish that I was given the Qur'an Just as he has been given the Qur'an So that I could read it night and day And then the second person Is one whom Allah has given wealth But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has also given him the tawfiq and And the noble ability And the divine help To spend that wealth in the way of Allah. So someone sees him and says, Oh, how I wish that Allah would give me wealth as he gave him. Not to hoard, so that I could also spend it just as he has spent it. These are the only two people one should be envious of. How lowly is our ambition and how cheap is our envy. We think these are markers of success. Cars, shoes, clothes, bags. Jewelry, homes, properties, real estate, bank balances, fashion Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not consider any of this Allah says iman, taqwa, obedience And most importantly, we speaking of charity Allah says success is not in acquiring wealth Success is in dispensing of wealth Success is not in hoarding wealth Success is in distributing so, Qurba Sabil That verse which I've recited. The other verse, whoever is protected from the greed of his soul, just like the Sahaba رضي anhum Allah in Surah Al-Hashr praises the muhajirun and the Ansar, and then of the Ansar he mentions something. What does he say? Those who occupied the city of Medina before the Mohajirun came, and those who adopted Iman before they came. So Allah is speaking of the helpers, the Ansar. What's their position? They love those who have emigrated to them. I.e., in effect, they were refugees. They love the refugees who have come to them. ولا يجدون في صدورهم حاجة مما أي مما and they do not harbor any envy in their hearts for what they have been given. Meaning the Ansar do not harbor any envy in their hearts for what the Muhajirun have been given. And that's very telling because the Muhajirun, they were, they left Makkah, they came to Medina. Many of them penniless. So the Ansar Sahaba, عنهم, they said to them, we will give you our wealth. Can you imagine how clean their hearts were? Today, we fight and we go to a judge. Why? So that the judge, the claimant says, this wealth is mine. And the defendant says, no, this wealth is mine. So the judge has to decide and says, no, you can't have it. He has to keep it. Or you can't have it, it belongs to him, you have to give it to him. SubhanAllah, we go to judges so that we keep our wealth, and we steal wealth from each other. But the Sahaba, عنهم, they went to the Prophet, وسلم, amazingly, and they said to him, Ya Rasulallah, the Ansar, they said, our brothers from the Muhajirun, speak to them, will you? Why? Because we want to give them half of our wealth, but they're not accepting. So the muhajirun were saying, no, Ya Rasulullah, we don't want their wealth. The sahaba, the ansar were giving their wealth, and the muhajirun were refusing, so the ansar went to complain to the Prophet wasallam. Said, Ya Rasulullah, will you speak to them? They're refusing to take our wealth. Eventually they came to an agreement, various agreements, like... The muhajirun would work in the fields of the Ansar without taking their wealth and they'd share the crops and the produce. So that's how clean-hearted the Sahaba were. And despite the fact that the muhajirun came penniless, the Ansar Sahaba spent on them, spent, spent, spent. They gave them homes, they gave them wealth, They they helped them with their businesses. They did everything for them. They sheltered them. They protected them. They did everything for them. And yet, in almost everything, the muhajirun were given privilege and preference. The muhajirun were the ones who stood with, with the Messenger Wasallam in Salah. In any gathering, the muhajirun sat at the front. Whenever anything happened, the Prophet would call the muhajirun first. Allah mentions the muhajirun before anyone else in the entire Qur'an. Allah mentions the Muhajirun first and then the Ansar. So in everything, the Ansar saw that we have spent on them, we have sheltered them, we have accommodated them, we have helped them, we have received them, we have embraced them, we've done everything for them. But we are always second. In the Qur'an, we are second. With the Messenger of Allah, we are second. In privileges, we are second. In choices, we are second. And the Muhajirun are always first. Despite that, Allah testifies that their hearts were so clean أوتوا, that the Ansar bore no ill will, they harbored no resentment, no envy whatsoever at the preference and the privilege that the Muhajirun had been given. In fact, they went further. Allah says, خصاصة, Even if they are suffering from need themselves, they give privilege to others. And then Allah says, وَمِن شَرْحَ نَفْسِهِ فولائك هُمُ المفلحون And whoever is protected from the greed of his soul, then these are the successful ones. Sadaqah, spending in the way of Allah, getting rid of one's greed, is one of the primary requirements and one of the prerequisites for attaining success in Islam. Charity, success is in giving not in hoard. horde. Furthermore, Allah, Allah I spoke about charity in relation to doing good. That we must do good, all good, but charity are elaborated on. And then, apart from doing good, in order to be successful, there's one more thing. We have to avoid the disobedience of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us again and again that true success lies in not disobeying Allah. Throughout the Qur'an, Allah says, Indeed, the sinful are not successful. Indeed, the criminal are not successful. Prophet Yusuf, was invited to sin. He said, Ma'adha I seek refuge in Allah. Indeed, Allah has honoured my station. I will not sin. إنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الظَّالِمُونَ Indeed, the sinful are not successful. The sinful are never successful. يا أيُّها الَّذينَ آمَنُوا In Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah says, يا أيُّها الَّذينَ آمَنُوا إنَّمَا الْخَمْرُ وَالْمَيْسَرُ وَالْأَنْصَابُ وَالْأَزْلَامُ رِجْسٌ مِنْ عَمْلِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَجْتَنِبُوهُ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ أو believers. Indeed, alcohol wine, and gambling, and the altars of sacrifice, and the arrows of divination, all of these are impurities from the works of shaitan. فَاجْتَنِبُواهُ So abstain from them, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ In the hope that you may succeed. One can never attain true success without avoiding the sins of Allah, without ab- avoiding the prohibitions of Allah. One cannot be successful What's being sinful? <laughs> Again, it's total reversal of roles. We think to be successful, you have to be sinful. The sinful are the successful ones. And the pious, those who do not commit sins, they are boring, backward, unworldly, unaware. Unassuming, unappealing. SubhanAllah. So we think the successful ones are the sinful ones. The sinful ones are the successful ones. Allah tells us you can never be successful whilst being sinful. The sinful are never successful. Allah says it. The prophets of Allah said it. The sinful can never be successful. No matter how copious, how numerous, how prevalent, how widespread, how prolific that sin may be. Again, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, قُلْ لَا يَسْتَوِي الْخَبِيثُ وَالطَّيِّبُ وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ كَثْرَةُ الْخَبِيثُ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ يَا أُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْرِحُونَ Say, the pure and the impure will never be equal. Even though the amount and the excess of impurity astounds you and shocks you, or even pleases you. So Allah says, Fattakullah, Ya ulil albaab, O ones of intelligence, be wary of Allah, تفلحون, in the hope that you may be successful. Again, this leads us to something else. There can be no success without taqwa. Taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's taqwa? Taqwa doesn't just mean the fear of Allah. Taqwa means guarding oneself from the disobedience of Allah. How? By guarding oneself from the disobedience of Allah. By guarding one's limbs, one's eyes, one's ears, one's senses, everything. Guarding, protecting oneself from the disobedience of Allah. Being wary and cautious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the meaning of taqwa. So Allah says if you possess intelligence, be wary of Allah, have taqwa in the hope that you may succeed. There can be no success without the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again time and time again we heard that verse earlier from Surah An-Nur inna ma kana qawla al-mu'mineena idha du'u ila Allah wa rasulihi an yaqulu sami'na wa ata'na wa ula'ika hum muflihoon wa man yuta'i Allah wa rasulahu wa yakhsha Allah wa yattaqi fa ula'ika hum Allah says and whoever obeys Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and who fears Allah and who is wary and cautious of Allah fa ula'ika hum Then these are the ones who are successful. There can be no success without taqwa. There can be no true success without taqwa. Again, many of the verses speak of the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And taqwa is a relationship with Allah. And without building and establishing that relationship with Allah, there can be no taqwa. And taqwa means guarding oneself from the disobedience of Allah. And that means internally and externally. So, self-purification, self-reform, nurturing oneself to do good. Without tazkiyah there can be no success. In fact, true success is very difficult to achieve. In Surah Al-A'la, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? قَدَفْ تَزَكَّىٰ وَذَكَرَ بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وأبقا إِنَّ هَذَا لفي الصُحْفِ الْأُولَىٰ صُحْفِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَىٰ Allah says, indeed successful is he, successful is he, who allows his soul to flourish and remembers the name of his Lord and prays, then Allah tells us what we are doing wrong. Nay, you give preference to the worldly life over the life of the hereafter. Even though the life of the hereafter is far better and everlasting. And this message that the successful one is he who purifies himself, who allows his soul to grow and flourish, this is not new to Islam. Allah says, this message. This was in the earlier scriptures. Suhuf Ibrahim Ibrahima wa Musa in the scriptures of Ibrahim and Musa alayhim salam All of the prophets of Allah delivered the same message. In surah al-shams wa shamsi wa Allah swears by many things. And then what does he say? Qad man zakkaha, wa qad khaba man dasaha. Indeed successful is he who allows the soul to grow and to flourish. And wa qad khaba, and indeed has lost out he. Who has lost out? Who stunts and prevents the growth and the flourishing of the soul. That's true success. The growth and the flourishing of the soul. the ruach. That's true success. And true loss is not the growth and the flourishing of the body. But the growth of the soul. And true loss is the loss of one's soul. That's true loss. And that's true success. So without gear, there can be no true success. Finally, as I said, we have to create and establish that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In order to attain true success, one has to turn to Allah in repentance and in remembrance. In a very long verse of Surah Al-Nur, Allah speaking of chastity and purity Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَطُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا أَيُّهَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَعَلَّكُمْ And all of you, meaning men and women, all of you collectively turn to Allah in repentance, O believers, in the hope that you may succeed. In verse of Surah al فَأَمَّا مَنْ That whoever repents to Allah and believes and does good deeds, then there is hope that this person will be of the successful ones. Spe- speaking of, in fact, there's a very telling verse of Surah Al-Mu'minun. Allah mentions a whole list of qualities that are markers of success. خاشعين والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون والذين هم للزكاه فاعلون والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون الا على ازواجهم او ما ملكت ايمانهم فانهم غير ملومين فمن ابتغى رَاءَ ذلك فاولئك هم العادون والذين هم لامتهم راعون هم على صلواتهم حافظون اولئك هم الوارثون الذين يرثون الفردوس فيها خالدون الله Allah says indeed successful are those believers who are Who are devoted and humble in their prayers. I won't translate all of the verses, I'll quickly summarize. Successful are those who are devout and humble in their prayers. Those who turn away from vanity and futility and worthless things. Those who give zakah, those who are pure and chaste. Those who are conscious of their trusts and their promises and mindful of their promises. Allah then says, these are the inheritors. These are the inheritors. (laughs) They are the inheritors. We always ask, someone's passed away, what will the inheritors get? How much will they get? What have they left in their estate? when extremely wealthy people pass away, it's commonly in the media, who will get what share of the hundreds of millions and billions. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, These are the successors and these are the inheritors. Inheritors of what? Yarithoon Those who will inherit paradise. Therein they shall reside. Allah begins his whole section with the words, "Qad aflah," Indeed, successful are those. These are the markers of success. Those who do all of this in the dunya, and those who inherit firdawus, meaning paradise, in the akhirah. That is a true mark of success. Without turning to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, none of this can be realized. Turn to Allah in repentance, and in remembering him, and In remembrance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Remember him, remember his gifts Gratitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very important And this ties in with greed Because we are so greedy, we are never grateful a gre- The greedy are never grateful And the grateful are never greedy that's a, that's a rule If someone is greedy, they are never grateful And they cannot be grateful this is why we must eradicate greed from our hearts. And someone who is truly grateful is not greedy. They are content. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, فَذْكُرُوا أَلَىٰهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ Remember the bounties and the gifts of Allah, the blessings of Allah, perhaps you may succeed. We should always remember Allah's gifts, always. Happiness lies in gratitude. Those who are grateful are happy. Those who are ungrateful are never happy. They're always miserable. No matter how much wealth Allah gives them, no matter how many people are friendly with them, are good to them, it's an illness. If a thousand people come to say salam to you and honour you, A thousand people. The nafs is such that we won't be bothered about the thousand who gave salam to us. We are burning from inside about that one Abdullah who never came. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he give salam? We may have a million, but we burn over that one pound that we haven't got. So the greedy are never grateful, the grateful are never greedy. And in one way of eradicating greed is to be grateful to Allah by remembering Allah's gifts. For ala Allah la'allakum And remember the gifts, the blessings of Allah in the hope that you may succeed. And also remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a very telling verse of Surah Al-Jumu'ah. You know, I've mentioned a few Surahs. Which ones? Surah Al-A'la, Surah Al-Munafiqoon, and now Surah Al-Jumu'ah. The thing about these three surahs is that these are the three surahs that the Prophet ﷺ, along with Ghashiyah would recite in Jumu'ah regularly. So Surah ala and Suratul ghashiyah And then other week Suratul Al-Jumu'ah in the first Raka'ah followed by Suratul al And these are the messages in these surahs which we should hear regularly on a weekly basis. And what's one of the most beautiful messages of Surah Al-Jumu'ah about remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, فَإِذَا قُضِيَتِ الصَّلَاةَ فَانْتَشِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَابْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَاذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَفْلِحُونَ That when Jumu'ah Salah is completed, then disperse in the land of Allah and seek of his bounty. It simply means that as Muslims we are under no obligation to observe a day of rest because we don't believe that Allah rested on the seventh day. Therefore, we are, we are allowed to work all the way up to Jumu'ah Salah, even on our holy day. Because Allah says, when you hear the call for Jumu'ah, Then hasten towards remembrance of Allah, and abandon trade. So you only have to abandon trade at Jumu'ah Adhan. So you can trade all morning, work, earn, fine. And then after Jumu'ah, Allah says, you still don't have to rest. فَإِذَا الصلاة الصلاة has ended ard Disperse in the land of Allah And seek for the bounty of Allah. So go and earn wealth. But not because therein lies success. Allah then says immediately thereafter, but don't forget your duty. tuflihun, And remember Allah excessively in the hope that you may succeed. So Allah tells us again, success, yes, go out and earn before Jumu'ah. Go out and earn after Jumu'ah. You are earning the bounty and the sustenance of Allah. But therein is not success. Success is only in the remembrance of Allah. And remember Allah excessively in the hope that you may succeed. I'll end with finally saying that all of this is to do with the dunya leading us to the akhirah. And that is the true success. It's the Akhirah which is the true success. In Surah Yunus, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهِ خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ يَحْسَنُونَ" لهم في الحياة الدنيا الآخرة لا الكلمات الله Allah says, "Lo, the friends of Allah." There shall be no fear on them, nor will they grieve, i.e. on the day of reckoning. Who are they? Those who believed, وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ And those who had taqwa. For them are glad tidings in the worldly life, as well as in the hereafter. There is no changing the words of Allah. This is Allah's promise. This is the great success. Meaning, the reward of Allah, the total lack of fear, the total lack of grief on the Day of Judgment. Glad tidings in the dunya and in the Akhirah. This is the great and true success. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Surah Al-A'raf, وَالْوَزْنُ الْحَقِّ فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مُوَازِينُهُ That, the scales are true, the weighing is true on that day of one's deeds. So whoever's scales are heavy, i.e. with good deeds, then these are the ones who are successful. مُوَازِينُهُ فَأَوْلَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ And those whose scales are light, on the Day of Judgment. They are the ones who have lost themselves. And the verse continues, "Because they were, Because they would commit a wrong to our sides. But the most important thing is, they will lose their souls. That's a true loss. They will lose themselves. And the only true success, the only true successful ones are those whose scales will be heavy on the Day of Judgment. In Surah Al-Hadid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beautifully says, Yomataral mu'minina won mu'minat, yesa'anur humbayna eidi mubi aiman him, bushrakum when yomajanatum tajrim in tahtikal anharu halidina fiha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the day when you will see the believing men and believing women, their light will be running in front of them and to their sides, to their rights. So the believers will be such, they will actually have a nur and a special light which will run in front of them and to their sides. And it will be announced to them that for you this day your glad tidings are gardens beneath which rivers shall flow, therein you shall reside forever. Then Allah says, this is the true success. Again, Jannah. So if we are going to work for anything, I spoke earlier about al al-Takathur, we compete with each other. We rival each other. We vie with each other. In what? The same markers of worldly success that are so meagre in, in contrast to the al We compete with one another. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking of the people of Jannah Allah say, describing the people of Jannah and their pleasures Allah then says وَفِي ذَلِكَ فَلْيَتَنَافَسِ And it is in this that those who wish to compete should compete And in Surah al safat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing the, Allah quotes what the people of Jannah will say Again, when the angels will announce to them that there shall be no death, they will say, we won't die, we will never die again. That, what, we will never die again except for the first death that we tasted when we left the world? And that we won't ever be punished or tested again? Then the people will announce, Innahada indeed, this is the true success. That it is for the like of this that those who do works should work. It is for the like of this that those who make an effort should make an effort. It is for the like of this that those who strive should strive. The people of Jannah will announce that. So This is the true success. These are the markers of true success. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable all of us to understand. May Allah make us amongst the Muflihoon and the Faizoon as he describes them, the people of falah and of foes, of success and of attainment. اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ لَا إِلَه